I'm not sure that there is anything that my sons could do to make me not consider them my sons anymore. I have four sons. I'm not sure there's anything they could do. What, what would it take for your son or daughter, if you're a parent, your grandparent, what would it take for your son and daughter, what would they have to do in order for you to no longer consider them your son or daughter, that you would disown them? Besides go to the wrong college, that's another conversation, right? There's nothing, right? There's nothing. I mean, there's no mistake that they could make. There's nothing that they could say that they could do that they could hurt you so much. I mean, what crime would they have to commit for you to disown them? It's nothing. You're always going to love them. You're always going to pray for them. And if they end up in prison, you're going to do what? You're going to visit them and pray for them. You're going to, because that's what mamas and daddies do. You have loved them. You have raised them. And they will always, 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 always be your babies. If we as mothers and fathers are like that, then what do you think our heavenly father thinks about his children who make some mistakes. I mean, if that's our heart, then what do you think our heavenly father's heart is for those who have wandered off? Well, today we're going to talk about a story that Jesus told about some of God's children who wandered off, about a son who wandered off. And And that's really important in our culture and in our city Because we are in the deep south. I mean, we are in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, right? You would not go around Birmingham and say, hey, what do you think about church? And somebody go, think about what? Never heard of it. Everybody in our city probably has heard about church. I mean, in fact, they haven't just heard about it. They probably have an opinion about it, don't they? And they even have a history about it. Here's, here's the truth, that, that most of the people in the South who don't currently go to church have a time that they went to church. And they even have memories of it. They have memories of sitting in a church with their grandmother and singing songs and having dinner on the grounds after church with casseroles because Christians love casseroles. And Chick-fil-A, casseroles, that's a perfect meal. Chick-fil-A, that's a Christian meal. Casseroles and Chick-fil-A. And then something happened. They fell away. They went to college and got out of the habit. They made a mistake or maybe a series of mistakes. Or maybe one Sunday, sometimes it's just the simple, guys. They just slept in. And the next Sunday, it was just easier to sleep in a second time and a third time. Some of them had a bad experience at church. Somebody said something or did something that really hurt them. Or maybe they saw money being mishandled and it made them really skeptical of church. Or, or, or maybe uh, they felt judged or maybe the church became institutional or irrelevant in their lives. And, 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 and they, just, they just left. That was it. They just left. 
We talk a lot about reaching people that are unchurched, and, and we're all about reaching the unchurched. But the truth is, in Birmingham, in our city, most people that don't go to church aren't unchurched. They're dechurched. We're trying to get them rechurched. They're dechurched. There was a time that they went, and then they just stopped going. And some of them, some of these are brothers and sisters that are dechurched. Some of them still consider themselves Christians. Some of them don't. Some of them don't know. And some of them are a long way off. And, and I'd be willing to bet that you got a friend like that. And that might even be you. I mean, it might even be you. And maybe today is the day that you came and you just, for whatever reason, you, you heard about Mountaintop or someone invited you and, uh, and you came today and it's been a while and it just seems impossible that you're even sitting here. I want you to know we're so glad you came. We want to know you came. I hope you'll fill out one of those cards, take it to the Connect booth, stick it in an offering bucket when you, go, when you leave because we want, to, we want to know you're here. And we want you to know that we don't believe in the impossible, that this series is a series in which we're talking about not worrying about what's impossible, about what's possible with God. And I think it's possible for prodigal sons and daughters to come home. Now, that is not a word you use every day, right? <laughs> prodigal. That's what we're going to talk about today. Some of our staff guys, Ben talked about that and, and Chris talked about that. Today we're talking about this story of the prodigal son. That has been the traditional word that we have used to tell this, to talk about this story that Jesus told. Now, interestingly enough, did you know the word prodigal is not even in the Bible? It's not a word. It's just a word that we've used to describe this story because we, we take the Bible and, and we've, we, after you know, thousands of years later, put it into chunks just to make it more understandable. We, we just label sections. This is the miracle of this happening, and this is what we've called the prodigal, uh, the story of the prodigal son. But it's probably not a word. How many use the word prodigal this week? Anybody? No, it's not a word. It's not even language. So mo in most translations today, even in mine, I, I typically have the NIV. That's what we typically put on the screen here. It says the story of the lost son. And that makes sense because this is a story that is part three of a series of stories that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. So if, you, if you're flipping ahead or want to be looking at your Bibles, that's what we're going to be. The, the very first story is the story of a lost sheep. Where the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, Jesus says, and one of them wanders off and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go searching for the one. We sing a song about that and it displays the father's heart to go after one, that one matters. And then Jesus tells a story about a lost coin. How a woman loses a coin, but she searches all over her house and she sweeps and she gets under the couches and everything until she finds this coin. And when she, when she finds that one little coin, she just celebrates. She, she's so happy. And Jesus does this to, to display the heart of the father that he, he is so happy. He celebrates when just one sinner repents and comes home. And then there's this final story, the story of the lost son. But he's not lost. He just left. He just left. He didn't get misplaced. He just left. And the story's about more than just the son. There are other characters in the story. This prodigal son, this lost son, is the younger brother in the story. He's got an older brother. And there's a story of 
a father. Now, I, I like the term prodigal, so I'm going to use that today. I love this kind of this old school term, prodigal. It, it means lavish behavior. It means extravagant behavior or a person who leaves home and behaves recklessly. And sometimes when people leave their church home, it doesn't immediately turn into this lavish behavior, but when the things of God become less and less of a priority, there is this slow drip of spiritual recklessness. And all of a sudden, you become to feel very far from God. Listen to what Jesus says about the Father's heart, the Heavenly Father's heart for prodigal sons and daughters. And so this, if we're going to get a glimpse into the heart of God. So as I mentioned, it's in Luke 15. It's in verses 11 through 32. So there's going to be a lot of scripture that we're going through. And if you don't have a Bible, take one on either exit when you go out. We would love to give you one so that you can study at home. So listen to the first verse of this passage in Luke 15, 11 through 13. Jesus continued, and it, he's continued because he told two other stories, right, about a lost sheep and a lost coin, and now here's the son who we call the lost son, but he's really just the left son. He left. He's prodigal. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. So his two, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the state. Dad, when you die, you're, I'm going to get half of it because there's two sons and I don't want to wait for your 403B to mature. I don't want to wait for the Roth. To, listen, I don't want to wait till you die. I want my half now. So give me my half now. So the man divided his property between them. He gave them to him. And then it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. So he took all his possessions. He packed them up and everything that his father had given. He took half of his father's estate, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living, lavish, extravagant, reckless, wild living. He went to Vegas and made it rain, right? I mean, he went and partied. You ever done this sometimes? You ever called home when you were 19, 20 years old, mom and dad? I know you gave me a couple hundred bucks, but what had happened was, um, but he took half his father's estate and, and just burned through it. And then th there's a turn of events. This is what it says in the next few verses. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. Uh-oh. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He's like, I got to go get a job. I got to go job. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. I mean, can you imagine being that hungry that he's gotten a job to feed pigs and he's looking at the pig food and he's going, looks pretty good. But no one gave him anything. There is a time, there comes a time when we wander from God and we figure out that what the world has won't fill us. 
And there comes a time when you thought you knew the answer. You thought you wanted to do it your way. You thought that if you could just be in control. But there comes a time when you realize you're empty. There comes a time when you realize this. And those of us who are people of faith, we know this. We know that Jesus is the living water. And if you drink from him, you'll never be thirsty, not physically, but spiritually. And he's the bread of life. And if you eat of him, you'll never be hungry, not physically, but spiritually. We know that it is possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. And this son figures out that the world is not enough. And he has this moment. And I believe every prodigal has this moment in their life. Everyone that wanders off and runs off from God has this moment in their life. And they go, there's got to be more than this. But listen, listen, church, this is a critical turning point in the story. It's a critical turning point because Jesus gives us a snapshot into the mind of how prodigal sons and daughters think. And we church people often miss what prodigal sons think we think about them. We often miss what prodigal daughters think we think about them. It's just, this is so, I love that Je- this is Jesus talking and he gives us this incredible insight into the mind of a prodigal son or daughter. And listen to what he says in the next verse. When he came to his senses, oh man, this is what we pray for. This is, this is what we hope for. This is our prayer. Heavenly Father, please help my niece come to her senses, right? Please help my friend come to his senses. Please help my son come to his senses. Please help my coworker come to their senses. This is that moment that we pray for, we hope for that the Holy Spirit would do what only the Holy Spirit could do. He comes to his senses and he said, how, but listen listen to his mind, how he's thinking. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. And I love his repentant heart in the next passage. I love this, this repentant heart that he's got. I will set out and go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And man, there has to come a point that every prodigal has to not face the music, but come, but face themselves. I was wrong. And he says, I have sinned. But listen to what he says. And if you've been a Christian for a long time like me, peer inside the heart of a prodigal son or daughter. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember, I asked you a question. What would it take for your son or daughter to do for you to not consider them your son or daughter anymore? You remember that question? You said nothing. You remember that? You remember that? Can we rewind it? Can we it? That's what you said. You all shook your head, right? Nothing. But that's not how prodigals think. Dad's going to be so mad at me. I'm not even worthy anymore. And he says, make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. If I go back, I'll be a second class citizen. 
Dad's going to be so mad at me. He's going to be so disappointed in me. He's going to be so angry at me. You know, he probably won't even take me back. And friends, that's how a lot of people who are unchurched and dechurched think about the church. If I go back, I wonder what they'll say. Well, look what the cat drug drug in. I mean, I bet some people have returned to a church they left and someone actually said that to them. I bet they're going to judge me. Are they going to look at me funny? Am I going to be wearing the right outfit? I'm not even sure what you wear to church anymore. I'm going to, I'll be a second class citizen if I go back. They might have even experienced that. Now, the interesting thing about the story of the prodigal son, uh, I've always wanted to know this. We don't know how long he was gone. It, it never says. There obviously had to be time for a famine to take place for him to spend the money. Of course, remember, he went to Vegas, so that could happen in a couple nights. He could have burned through the money in a week, but then there was this famine and a hunger. So weeks, months, was it years? We don't, we don't know how long it is, but I, I love this. So he gets up, he goes back to his father, and then, check this out, check this out. You remember what he's thinking? I'm going to be a second-class citizen. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with, what do you think it's going to say? Is it going to say he was filled with anger? Is that what it's going to say? No, you don't think so? Is it going to say that he was filled with disappointment? Dad was so disappointed in me. Is it going to say that it was filled with shame? That dad is just so ashamed and he's so embarrassed because he's the one in his group of friends that had the son that went and did that. It says while he was a long way off, he ran, it was a long way off, he was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. He was filled with compassion, love. And he hugged him and he kissed him. You think dad's angry with you? You think dad's mad at you? He's waiting on you. Have you ever thought about how do we know how, how did dad see him while he was a long way off? You ever thought about that? I mean, did it just happen to be looking the right direction on the right day? I think dad sat on the rocking chair on the front porch every day and looked down a long, dusty driveway as far as he could see down the horizon. And ask himself, is today the day? Is today the day? You see, this is the heart of the father. 
He is waiting for lost sons and daughters to come home. He is just waiting for sons and daughters who are a long way off just to come home. So if you're here today and you think, man, I'm so far from God, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers and you don't even have to have your life straightened out. If you would just take one step back toward home, God has been waiting on you and is ready for you even if you are a long way way off. Just start heading back home. Just start heading back home. Well, then the son has this, uh, he has this, this moment. You remember he rehearsed this speech. Remember he, I know what I'm going to say to, I know what I'm going to say. I I know exactly how I'm going to say this. Do you remember what he said? I've got this, I've got this speech plan. And he says to him, he's like, okay, I'm going to tell this to you. Oh, look. I was going to read it off paper. I haven't done that. Yeah. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and sinned against you. Okay, remember, I bet the son, like the whole way home, rehearsed that speech. It's exactly what Jesus said he was going to say. Okay, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. Should I go you first, heaven first? No, I'm going to go heaven first. Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You remember he had some more. Please set me back as one of your servants. I think dad cut him off. Hush, 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 hush. And then the father said to his servants, quick. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this lost son of mine was found, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Well, he wasn't really lost, was he? But he sure felt like it. And he wasn't really dead, was he? But he sure felt like it. Here's what we know for sure. He wasn't home. And now he was back. And that's a reason to celebrate. Here's what I can tell you about the father. The father throws parties for prodigals. This is the heart of of the father. The father's heart isn't to be angry at prodigals, isn't to be disappointed, isn't to have shame for prodigals. The heart of the father is that he throws parties for prodigals. This is who he is. He is sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair, just waiting for them to come home. He's already got the party planned. He's already called the bounce house people and got them reserved. He's got a DJ lined up. He's got a contingency plan in case it rains. He just wants to throw a party. Is today the day? The heart of the father is a father's heart for lost sons and daughters to just come home. The father throws parties for prodigals. So here's a question, church. What's possible for a church committed to prodigals? What's possible for a church that says we are going to be committed to people who are a long way off from God? 
We're going to be committed to people who don't quite have it all together. We're going to be committed to people who, who, who's, it's a little messy. We're going to have, be committed to people who don't quite have it figured out. We're going to have, be committed to people who are a little reckless right now and a little lavish. And they're, they're, they just don't have it all quite figured out, but they are far from God. And we're going to be committed to them. We're going to have the Father's heart for them. That's who we want to be. Last week, I asked you the question is what's possible for a church committed to all possible means? But what about a church that's committed to prodigals? Now, that's easier said than done because sometimes we end up like the older brother. Now, let me tell you about the older brother. See, you forgot about him, right? This is a good feel, good story. Come home, dad hugs him. That could have been the end of the story. Isn't that interesting? In the story of the sheep, Jesus doesn't talk about how the 99 sheep got angry in the, you know, and tell that story. In the next verse, it says this. Meanwhile, this was a voiceover. I think Jesus did a voiceover when he said this. Meanwhile, <laughs> the older son was in the field. He's in the backfield. All dad does is sit on that front porch looking for that loser all day long. Somebody's got to do some work around here, right? Somebody's got to get some stuff. There is stuff to do, and somebody's got to do it. I was going to crank it up, but I'd probably, like, kill myself. Um, Somebody's got to do some work around here. There's stuff to do. And this this is really tricky, guys. Listen up. If we're not careful, the work of the Father's house can take us away from the Father's heart. Because we're, I mean, this is what we do. We create church stuff to do. If we're not careful, the work of the Father's house can take us away from the Father's heart. I ask what's possible for a church committed to prodigals. And the reason that question is so important, you're like, well, of course we should be committed to those that are far from God. But churches are so rarely committed to prodigals because we're in the backfield riding on a tractor instead of sitting with dad. Honestly, Churches are often committed to older brothers and sisters. They're easier to pay attention to because they're here and they're loud. Prodigals don't send emails about what they didn't like about the worship service. Prodigals don't send emails about how they didn't like the outfit the worship leader was wearing. Prodigals don't tell you what they don't like about your church. They just don't come. Only older brothers and sisters do that. Only older brothers and sisters make noise about all the church stuff and all the church work going on. Only older brothers and sisters do that. The prodigals don't, don't do that. Older brothers and sisters do. And it's easy for a church to become committed to prodigals. And to the, to, to, to not to prodigals, but to the preferences of loud older brothers and sisters. After all, they're here, they're doing all the work, and they're paying the bills. Listen, I've been a Christian. You're like, man, well, listen, I've been a Christian for 34 years. So I have a tendency to be an older brother and older sister. 
And it's just so easy, the longer you are a Christian, to get committed to just kind of church stuff. And we older brothers and sisters like our preferences, like things our way, because we've been here, because we're around. We love, we love procedures, and we love policies. We love policies almost as we love casseroles and Chick-fil-A. We love us some policies. Listen to the next part. Listen to what, listen to what it says after it says he was in the field, remember? When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called for one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? What in the world is going on? Your brother has come home, has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So you just kind of imagine how this goes, right? Just kind of imagine. He's riding. turns it off why is there bass popping in the house what in the world is going on what is this and this next part is so fascinating okay it's so fascinating you remember the father while he was a long way off he saw him and he was filled with what compassion don't you see the older brother's response in the next passage, your older brother has a totally different response. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out, and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate my friends. I didn't even get anything. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You have never done anything for me. And by the way, and by the way, Dad, listen, we've got policies for how much we can budget and spend on a party. Dad, you didn't even go through the process to get this party approved. Did you know that? Did you even fill out a check request? Did you get the party uh, committee to approve this party? Okay, I added that part. Listen, hear me out. This older brother's not a bad guy. He's been faithful. He's been obedient his entire life, okay? He has his entire life. He didn't go off and waste half of dad's inheritance. He's been obedient his entire life. He has tried to honor his father. But sometimes brothers and sisters that got it right their whole lives get it wrong when prodigals come home. Sometimes, brothers and sisters that got it right their whole lives get it wrong when prodigals come home. And I think he probably went back and sat on his tractor and just pouted because he had come to believe that his relationship with his father was about pleasing him. It was about what God gives him, about what his father gives him and his preferences and his wants. And listen to the father's 
response. Listen to the father's response. This is so critical. My son, the father said, the father doesn't get angry with him. He tries to help him understand. You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. The gift, son, is that you got to be with me. You have underestimated that the present was that you got to be in the presence of the father. You have underestimated the realization that you never had to worry if the what you pursued would leave you empty. You never had that feeling that you were alone. That's the gift. And church folks, listen, if you're like me and you were born and raised in church and you have known Jesus since you were a little kid, what a gift to know that I never had to have that feeling where I walked into church and wondered if they would judge me because I grew up from diapers in the church and I never had to have that feeling if I wonder if there's more to life and I never looked in the mirror and wondered if anyone loved me, if God was even real and he loved me. I never had to know because I knew since I was knee-high to a grasshopper that Jesus loved me and died for me. So sometimes when Christians say, well, what about me and what about my needs? And I want it this way. Sometimes I just want to say, what more exactly would you like God to do for you than to give his son Jesus to die for you, to forgive your sins, to save you from eternal judgment, give you the presence of his Holy Spirit and the community of faith? Would you also like the worship leader to dress how you want would you also want the carpet to be the color you pick and do you also want the walls in the nursery to be the color you pick do you want it your way or would it be okay if we could throw parties for people who don't know about the cross or the presence of the holy spirit and you can come how about bring a casserole bring a casserole Or pick up some Chick-fil-A if it's not Sunday. Shouldn't we be about helping prodigals know that they don't have to feel that way? We Christians, listen, 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 can get so busy doing noisy church work, all right? And it's just, and it's noisy because there's stuff to do. And can I confess, as a guy that's been on church staff for over 20 years, church staffs are really good at coming up with more ministries for all the Christians to do. Just noise. We just buy more lawnmowers, create more ministries. And then one day we wake up and we don't feel close to God anymore. And we don't have a passion for the gospel. And we wonder what happened. And here's what happened. If you want to get close to the heart of God, get close to those far from God. If you want to get close to the heart of God, get close to those far from God. If you want to get close to the heart of God, then stop doing all the church busy stuff and find out where God is, 
and get close to him and go sit on the front porch in a rocking chair with dad looking for lost sons and daughters who might be making their way back home. And church, this is discipleship. Discipleship is not joining another Bible study. We want you to be in Bible study. But what we want to do is for you to study the word of God so that it will transform you so that we will wake up one day and realize this is not about me. This is about becoming like Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for many. So I will give my life for many, for lost sons and daughters, for prodigal sons and daughters. If you want to get close to the heart of God, get close to those far from God. This is why when you go on a mission trip, it feels different, doesn't it? Because you spend a week with those far from God. Or when you serve in mission in our community, it feels different. Like, why does it feel different buying diapers for Save a Life than diapers for you, for your family? Because it's close to the heart of God. This is why when we have a baptism and you hear someone's story about how they were far from God and they came here and they found God and something in your heart leaps. If you want to get close to the heart of God, get close to those far from God. Now, I want to make this really personal because this isn't just about, listen, at Mountaintop, we are going to be a church that those parties for prodigals, for those that are far from God, that are a long ways away. Yeah, amen. Listen. The music's for them, the decor's for them, the strategy is for them because we want them to know when they come in, we want them to feel like they see us in the rocking chair going, we've been waiting for you. We were expecting you. But hear me out, church. This is not just about us having cool worship services because that's not all that it means to be for, committed to prodigals. This is personal and if, you just, if it's just about us having cool worship services, you'll miss something. And I want to make this personal, and this is really radical. I want to ask you for us to be a church committed to prodigals, all right, to do something radical and personal. What if you threw parties for prodigals, for those that are far from God? These parties have another name. It's called dinner. Make a casserole. Like, what if you cooked dinner and invited your friends who are far from God, who are a long way off, and you just ate? And like, you, you decided to not be weird during dinner. <clears throat> like, you don't stand up in the middle of dinner and go, the reason you're all here tonight is an initiative to invite you to my church. If you do that, please use another church and not this church. Don't be weird. Just eat and have compassion for them and show them the Father's heart and just laugh and just love them because they're a long way off. That is what it means to be for Birmingham. To just be for your neighbors, for your friends, and cook dinner for them. So here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you. I want you to host a dinner for a friend who is a long way off before January 1st. Doesn't fancy if you're like, well, you know, holidays are coming, it's getting busy. Listen, invite them on like December 28th and have pizza because everybody's tired of turkey and dressing by then, right? 
You always crave pizza about December 27th, 28th. And just invite them over and just eat and just love them. And one day when you invite them to church, and we want you to, we're gonna ch- I'll be challenging to you to invite them at some point. They just might come because they have seen the Father's heart. Church, we all got to choose a seat. I mean, I, we can just create ministries if you want us to, just for stuff for all the church stuff people to do. Just keep us busy. It'll be noisy. There's always stuff to do in the backfield. But that's not where God is. I don't know about you. I want to be a front porch rocking chair church. Man, I want to be on the front lines with dad. Looking out for those who are a long way off. And if that's you today, and you feel like, I mean, I'm here, but it feels like I'm 100 miles away from God. I want you to know something. You are no further than the distance from one nail-scarred hand to another. And we believe that Jesus didn't just give his life for us church people. He gave his life for you because... Here's a secret we don't like to tell you. There was a time we were dead and came back to life too. And we were lost and we got found too. And we do what we do so that you will hear the Father's voice at the end of a long, dusty driveway. Welcome home. You pray with me. Heavenly Father. Lord, we're just, um, we're just in awe that you love us so much that you found us, that you brought our lives back to life. And God, can we confess to you today that sometimes we are, we are prone to be older brothers and sisters and, and just, to, just to keep ourselves busy with church stuff. But Lord, help us to never lose your heart Help us to never forget that feeling that we felt when we melted in the Father's arms. And God, we want to be with you. We don't want to be in the backfield busy when they come home. We want to be right beside you with a group hug. We want to be about your work because we know that's where you are. Make us like Jesus and give us your heart. And Lord, if there are those that are here this morning that don't feel like sons and daughters, that feel like they have run off or maybe that they never even knew about God and they're wondering if if they're judged, if you're disappointed, if you're angry, if you're ashamed of them, God, my prayer today is that in this room they would know that you have, they would feel compassion and love and that this is a place that they're welcome to take a first step, a next step, or a millionth step. Just take a step. And so I pray that today, Lord, would be a day they'd start heading home toward you and say, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I believe in you, that you died for me, that you rose from the grave, and it doesn't make sense, but none of it makes sense 
but thank you for loving me anyway. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to close with a song called uh, We Are the Sons and Daughters of God. We all are. And I want to just invite you just during this time, if you want to come up, if, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart or you're here and you're new and say, I want to take a step or you want to pray for that friend you're going to invite to dinner, I want to ask our prayer team to come and be here and they can pray with you. Let's stand and let's sing.